You got married last year, didn't you, Stuart? I did, I did, yeah. Buy somewhere exotic and but depending on what time of year really, whether we go like Caribbean, depending on the time of year, or do something in Europe if it's small, kind of like traditional summertime. No, Bali's tourist numbers really did plunge. It's like you've got to keep track of these things so you've got to know where you know where is struggling so you can get a good deal Fiji's fucked at the moment that's where you should be going yeah new zealand like australia lockdowns no one can fly out oh so what you're saying is that the next digital's christmas party should be in Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> our christmas party um stuart ended up with john at a pub and asked to just at home not realizing that john was going to the pub with someone else it's like <laughs> <laughs> and he just put them on for 45 minutes, didn't he? We discovered John's OnlyFans page. What is it called? Bear John. I'll tell you what, right. it is awkward. It is awkward having sex with a teddy bear mask on, though. Yeah, it's true. Have you listened to our podcast? Yet? I listened was it James Ashby's, I think I listened to. Did it break <laughs> your heart? No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. What the future. There's always, there's always practice ignition to it. It was a bit going, but uh, I'm not I'm pretty sure John's just going to go off-piste. He normally does. Speaking of off, off-piste, hey? Woo! The Flinder takes the piece trip. It was good. One of them was amazing. One of them was absolutely fucking horrendous. <laughs> what does um, that mean? Like, is in, it's just trees and stuff everywhere. Really hard. Really sketchy. Quite scary. <laughs> Do you um, ski much, Stuart? A bit, I just like a bit like Bambi on ice for the most part, kind of uncontrollably. Can't be as rubbish as yeah. Dan Cockerton. He turned up with his <laughs> snowblade things and literally after about an hour, he had to get rescued off the mountain because his legs were knackered. So what are snowblades? They're like little short, little short skis. He put in a lot of good effort by the sound of it. He said that his quads were ruined from it. <laughs> he went hard on the first night. He was up till about five in the morning. That is a rookie error. You can sniff the rookies out like that. That's probably what I would do as well. What, get absolutely night. wrecked on the first night? Absolutely wrecked and then carry on for about a day or two and then actually do some skiing. Yeah, to, to be fair, like Amy, Amy Cotton from Capitalise, she was on it pretty much every night, but she was getting up for out the door at nine o'clock, so... Maybe she, she's more used to it than Dan. Like, I'm over the week skiing already. Like my, legs, my legs are feeling it during the week, but it's fine now. I'm just knackered, absolutely knackered. Yeah. You've got no one to blame but yourself. <laughs> I'm not jealous. What colour is the room? Did you say it was green? Green, yeah. Oh, it's green, green room. Yeah, I'm not a fan of green. It's going to the green room. <laughs> <laughs> can we superimpose some sort of logo over this green? Is that, is that, is that what's going through here? <laughs> yeah, we can't emblaze like I like, say, a sage logo in the background and that's all. <laughs> Or can we? <laughs> we all know that we do not have those skills in the <laughs> to, to do that kind of stuff. You speak for yourself. This this <laughs> this is not this t-shirt is blank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's not wearing a t-shirt, really. I'm not wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> but we now run out of time to record at news. <laughs> can I do my monotone? I'm really good at my monotone. Energy, energy, energy. <laughs> If I started having too much energy, people would think it's not me anymore. Hello, and welcome to the Digitals in a Cruel World podcast, the um, fastest growing podcast in the world of tech in, and accounting in the UK. So if you've enjoyed listening to um, the episode so far, 
Um, you'll know what we do by now. And this week, we've got a brilliant guest on, an interesting one at least, who I'll be introducing in a second. But this is the perfect podcast for you to share with your friends and family. So please um, don't keep this to yourself. Spread the love, spread the word. And if you haven't yet already, subscribe to the show. And by subscribing, it means you'll get all the episodes straight to whatever you, whatever device you listen to them on automatically, and you can listen to them whenever you want. So let's kick off first. How are you, John? How are you today? Hi, Ryan. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've just come back to a couple of days' work, having done the the Flinder Takes a Piece ski trip last week, which was really good in Switzerland with a, a lot of great accountants and people in the industry. So nice to have a week off, nice to have some skiing and some sunshine and a little bit of beer. So all good in my world. Yeah, I get the feeling a little bit of beer is probably an understatement when you <laughs> lot get together. Uh, I can only, yeah, I feel bad that I missed out on that. But as I can't ski, it would have been incredibly dangerous. I probably wouldn't have come back. Um, <laughs> moving well, on. Mon- Monaco's with the drink of choice last week. That's the way to go. We'll be having those at, at DAS, hopefully. Monaco's? What's a Monaco? Yeah. Monaco's a, a beer with a little bit of lemonade and a splash of grenadine. It's amazing. Okay. Life-changing experience. So a lager top with some grenadine? Uh, well, that's a southern phrase that I don't understand. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And Indy, how are you? I know you weren't on the ski trip. No, I wasn't. But I wasn't invited, so I'm not offended. That's fine. I can't ski either, so it's absolutely good for me. I've, I'm just over, thankfully, over COVID. So that is the week, a week of my life that I don't want to live again. Apart from that, raring to go. I'm very yeah. excited about today. Uh, yes, yes. Well, last but not least, we've got the infamous Stuart Hurst on. Stuart, firstly, before we jump into an interview with you, how are you, mate? Yes, yeah, very well, very well. No pressure, tax return side of things, all good under control, so yeah, can't grumble. Cool, cool. Okay, well, we better kick this off. Let's jump into App News. So let's kick off App News is something slightly different. So SAP have had a few difficult years, and probably from um, competition from NetSuite and Sage intact, but they've got they published their 2021 results and their revenue has gone up only by two percent. And admittedly, profit is still down by seven and a half percent. But the reason I bring this up is their cloud subscriptions have jumped up and they're up by six percent, with orders up by 32 percent, which is tying in what, with what I'm seeing in the fact that a lot of businesses have paused their digital transformations over what's been going through with COVID. And I believe that actually, as we start to move into 2022, we're starting to see a change in this now. So anyone that's in that space, um, I'd expect a lot more interest coming through. But let's jump into anything app specific. Anyone got, got anything to talk yeah, about? Yeah, I do. So Shopify have launched uh, something called Shopify Balance. It's effectively a digital bank system so that money doesn't need to be deposited anywhere. So I think for certainly for people in the UK, you're probably used to similar things like this because we're, we're seeing quite a few fintechs doing sort of e-money accounts, which were equivalent to bank accounts, but not with the same kind of protections. This sounds like it's very, very similar for Shopify. Launched effectively in the US at the moment. And they're partnering with Evolve Bank and Trust Bank to, to provide not just that account service, but also a, a physical visa card to use and some insurance cover as well by the looks of it up to $250,000 US dollars so interesting launch for them and it'd be interesting to see if they bring that over to the UK and and to other territories for businesses that are doing e-commerce type stuff quite often that collection of balances and then what you do with it can be a little bit challenging particularly if you're doing it multi-currency so we've seen 
the use of other solutions like Wallex and Wise and some of the other bank accounts or, or the equivalent type bank accounts having to be utilized to, to link to, to things like Shopify, eBay, et cetera, to, to facilitate that. Definitely an interesting one. The fact that the, the, the money is secured, it's insured up, like you say, by the 250K, competes with some of those banks that are more middle ground and the, and the money is not secured or backed by a central bank. So definitely interesting there. I've got something on Connect4. And so that's the web meeting tool for accountants. If you've not come across it before, they have integrated into Carbon, the practice management suite. And the way they've integrated is that you can bring contacts through from Carbon into Connect4 and allocate them into pods, as they're called in, in Connect4. And you can also allocate your teammates from the same sync. And then you can push the tasks that you create from your, your meetings, your, your agenda points, and therefore your call to action in your meetings back into Carbon as to-dos, which I found quite interesting. And definitely they've thought about that integration and I guess shows that expansion once again from Carbon into integrating into more tech. I've also got something from Arthur Online, the property management software. They've released Arthur Analytics and that is delving into a customizable dashboard side um, of reporting. Now, some specific on that i believe they're using tableau to do the dashboards so it's going to be a very visible graphical representation of what's going on they're focusing on i guess how your applicants and viewings are doing potential yields on your tenancies and tracking your performance on work orders so it'd be interesting to see what come out of it completely new and i believe they're going to charge for the customization of the dashboard although that's not that clear as yet Cool. That sounds really interesting. Tableau is an excellent BI platform for any accountant that's not had a chance to look at that. Well worth, well worth checking out. I've got some other news as well. So Modular and Ripple have recently announced a, a partnership between the two. So Modular is a payments technology platform that, that launched originally in the Sage ecosystem, particularly on Sage Payroll, to make it much easier for both businesses and for payroll bureaus to do those BACS type runs, but without all of the faffing about that you've got to do in terms of becoming a BACS approved bureau. So, so as we know, payments technology has been really changing significantly and Modular were probably one of the first to make that process seamless. Ripple is a large enterprise blockchain and crypto solutions provider. They run the, the eighth largest crypto in the world at the moment. And so they've got uh, technology focused on that. So it's an interesting partnership. I'm the first customer that's going live with this is a business called Trust Payments, who effectively offer an end-to-end -end payment solution, which includes you know, verification and, and, and other things. So you can see how they're utilizing the payment platform and the blockchain uh, technology to, to provide that solution. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that in the future. I've got something as well. Help to Grow Digital was launched by HMRC. It is a very simple website, and there's a few providers that are recognizable on there, Sage, QuickBooks, and Crunch. Not very many in the way of CRM systems. There are some articles that speak to businesses about how they can pick the right software for them. It looks sort of early days and it's very basic in its functionality, but I guess a, a way for um, more SMEs to understand how they can use some of the digital softwares that are out there and how they link to HMRC. I jumped on this and I got me, it was a little disappointing. It looked like they had a good idea and then not really talked to any software providers to, to get them listed. I think it was 
pretty much about 10 software providers in there. You've not got zero, so you've gone accounting and they've gone CRM. Obviously, that's going to expand over time, but yeah, it was very disappointing in the amount of choice that you had in which you could get that support. Even when you are comparing the softwares and the features that you're comparing like for like against, it's just a little basic in its in its visibility if you are trying to pick between what is listed on the site with Sage and QuickBooks. The idea is great to have funding for software subscriptions to help businesses to digitize and to help them respond post-pandemic is a great idea to also then try and help them to get access to support and advice everything else to to get on board and that journey is great but if you're only going to offer a limited number of digital products and also in a really small limited area of business that needs to be digitized so accounts and crm it's a complete waste of time there's so many opportunities for businesses to digitize and to improve the way that they operate, but you can't do it on such a small amount of products and, 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 and the information that's on there and the case studies that are on there are all fucking arbitrary. But there are some lovely videos of Rishi Sunak on there. Everyone. Well, everyone loves Rishi, future prime minister. Yeah, he doesn't have a Rishi. Speculation. <laughs> Crack on, John. Connected to dodgy government schemes, HMRC are due to close down their in-house IT. And this is part of their wider focus uh, and part of their longer-term integrated strategy to improve their IT strategy provision, but equally as as part of this wider space of them becoming a truly digital tax agency with with MTD and everything else that's going on. So an interesting move. Someone somewhere, probably at PwC or one of the big four, is probably making a lot of money out of that decision. Related, perhaps, HMRC is limited on um, testing capabilities. So MTD ITSA, there was a, an article um, for a freedom of information request from Safri Shampnis, and they've got roughly 3,000 who would be eligible for MTD ITSA. When they first opened the pilot, they had 877-odd people apply, but this time around, they've only had nine. So low uptake mostly due to restrictions imposed by HMRC on testing. Weird, isn't it? I mean, I saw this story the other day, and I can't understand how you're going to run an effective beta trial of something that's going to affect a considerable amount of people in the UK, as well as a considerable number of accountants and tax advisors. You can't run an effective trial with nine people, I don't think, particularly when the numbers have come down so significantly. So it's really, really weird. I don't understand quite, I don't think anyone understands why, why these restrictions have come in and why HMRC have limited it. Well, I, I think it's probably a testament to how far their systems have progressed on the development side. So they've had to restrict it because it's not been able to do anything more. But I know there's a lot of pressure in, in scaling up. But let's pivot away from HMRC. We talked a few episodes ago about the investment that FreshBooks got and the fact that they may be using that to push into the UK. There's been a big up, uptick in the amount of blogs that FreshBooks have released focusing on the UK market over the early 2022. They've also done an integration into KeyPay and Gusto from payroll integrations, and they've released uh, an upgraded partner program certification. So there's put a lot of investment in, and it seems to be driving towards the UK. They've done a few other tweaks, which are checkout links, which are all pretty interesting. Instead of creating a sales invoice, you can link a checkout link to a item or service and put that on your website so people can basically buy directly, updates the sales side directly in the system, which I've not seen anywhere else. And then they've got small tweaks to their, their timer functionality and their digital receipt capture. But that push into the UK is definitely something that we predicted and is coming through. 
Yeah, it's really positive. Fresh books, nice Canadian business, lots of funding behind it, and good to have a bit more competition in the cloud space. It's fair to say they've had a bit of a challenge getting a foothold in the UK, and that's partly to do with the, the on-off relationship they seem to have had. They had a, a fairly heavy push a few years ago, then seemed to pull back and good to see that they're, they're trying again because others have have come and gone and they've got some neat little features there so uh, some good some good development on their side right i've got some various bits and pieces zero zero updates that have come through in the last few weeks so first one is that for a long time now zero has had a really good quality integration with go cardless uh, but they've made some tweaks to that now so that you can import uh, the direct debit forms into zero and then link them to the contacts. So, you know, this, this integration has been through a, a fairly iterative process over, over a good few years now. So they're just trying to make that, that integration even tighter and make it a bit easier to, to link contacts to forms so that it's easier to obviously get, get invoices out and get paid quickly. Equally, they've made some improvements to the way that you can edit inventory, which is which has come about through streamlining the user interface. So it's a little bit easier to get in and out of stock items and to change those, which I know for, has been a bit of a headache in the past. There has also been some small changes to Zero HQ to improve the way that the staff access is comes about and how that's created. You can invite employees to add themselves to Zero expenses so that you can obviously make use of that tool within the product. You've also now got the ability to assign staff to different projects in Zero projects by creating private projects within Zero itself. So again, another neat little feature. It just means that you know, if you're tracking time, for example. Uh, makes life a whole lot easier rather than having to maybe pick from a big long list of um, of projects within the system. Cool, and I've got a couple of updates on QuickBooks Online, admittedly mostly US focused again. So they have integrated into PandaDoc, which is something I think they were been doing for a while. And they've also been talking about their, the utilization of data switcher for conversions from Sage 50 into QuickBooks Online. Now, I believe that is not just focused in the US, and I believe they've been using data switcher for quite a while just without marketing it. So this is more just probably part of the fact that they're using it so heavily that it's switcher are pushed to actually tell people they're using the tool. And then the final bit is they've extended their audit log in the back end um, to seven years, obviously for regulatory purposes. They're, they backed up all the other data, but the audit log for some reason wasn't wasn't there for seven years worth of time. So they've added that as well. That sounds good. And I've also got a quick update from Accounts IQ. So they've recently parted, partnered sorry, with, with Plaid to provide bank feeds in the UK, Ireland and overseas, which is, you know, I think it's a much needed improvement to what is a really good product. But, you know, bank feeds for many are now, you know, an expected fundamental part of any accounts package. So a really good, neat little integration. I haven't seen it in action yet, but I'm told it looks pretty good and it works quite effectively. So it helps to keep them on par with some of the other small ERP players in the market. Yeah, and then another small one for me is Hydra, um, which I constantly want to call Hydra. I obviously watch way too much, too many Marvel films. Um, but Hydra, the, the selective invoice financing tool, has finally built integrations into Sage Business Cloud and QuickBooks Online. They integrated into Zero last summer, planned to integrate into the other platforms, and have now done that in early 2022. There's one piece just on raises. Juro has drawn 23 million in a series B funding, it's raised $31.5 million to date. It's a piece of legal tech software. So it's sort of disrupting the, the model of 
legacy tools Word documents, PDFs for contracts. And it's not, it's not the first one I've heard about trying to do this, but I think that there's a couple that have been trying to target specifically accountants as well. Have you guys had any exposure to any technologies coming your way? It literally looks like it's a template editor, doesn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, so, yeah, maybe maybe this is all, this is genuinely of interest to, to accountants in terms of, you know, if you can put a load of like, engagement letters and stuff in there to, to make that really slick. It's interesting that I was approached by someone else this week about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe that's a pattern. Yeah, I think for a lot of firms, like particularly our size firms, this is something that's always quite challenging to deal with because you can't use a Go proposal or a practice signature because they don't scale so you have to use something then that's a bit more bespoke and so the the you know the and, and a lot of firms will have a template of some description probably or a set of templates that are in word but you need to then take them somewhere we've used proposify in the past for something similar and so i need to have a look at this properly and sort of figure out is it exactly the same or does it do something unique which products like that don't do slapping on i don't You're saying slap you... It on. <laughs> you guys could do is slapping a little bit on yeah, I definitely under my eyes. Going for the rugged um, look. I look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you do look really good. I like those blonde highlights. Yeah, this is what I'd have if I had hair. And that's exactly what I'd look like. Maybe we should have like a, a washing up section. Why don't you go and <laughs> jam your bloody? Don't say wherever you're going with that. Don't say. Meat grinder somewhere. Waste disposal. Waste disposal. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they were talking about state. washing up. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to happen with Indy doing the edit, is it? No. John, I do far more work than you fucking do. So just you want to wind your neck in a little bit today. <laughs> I like it when I get a bit of fun to that. It's great. Come on, Indy. Let's see Jesus. what you can take. And I hope you've got all your homely duties under control. That's all I'm concerned about. Oh, you sexist pig. You know what? So, I think I should give you some pin money. You can't go all Monica Lewinsky though, that's the thing. And what does that mean? I don't know. Stop Do my job questions. effectively, commit, lean in, and then be taken advantage of? Yes, I agree. Oh, I love, I like punchy and it's great. That's what I like. So we have Stuart Hurst on, on the pod today as our guest. Really, really exciting, really interesting backstory. So he's um, you know, probably quite well known for his time at UHY up in Manchester, where I'm, I work and it's, it's local to me. So it's good to have another northerner on the pod for a change. And then more recently moved to Accounts and Legal, which is an interesting hybrid firm. And I think quite a few people thought it was quite an interesting move for you, Stuart. So... Give us a bit of an idea about your, your role at Council Legal and, and what prompted you to, to make the change. Uh, yeah, role, I always say I'm a glorified cheerleader, really, at Council Legal. But um, in theory, yeah, director here. So I was brought in to kind of oversee opening a Manchester, well, a northern hub, starting with Manchester, Liverpool, and hopefully Leeds, maybe Nottingham in, in the future, and drive that out. So it was an existing cloud firm which was like an attraction, a pure cloud firm with a decent basis in some of the app stack and advisory. And I felt like I could probably have a bit of a free reign up north and kind of roll things out the way I wanted to, which was, you know, I'm a big believer in regular contact clients, that kind of stuff. And every client has a quality catch up. And I could really like drive that home and build that team. 
uh, and add value to their existing client portfolio, like I say, the, in terms of the app stack. They were touching on peripheries of some of some of the apps, but for it to take it to the next level of, of kind of true advisory, in inverted commas, that, that well overused word. Um, I could probably give my 10 pence worth to that. And as much as I love my time at UHY, it was fantastic. And it was amazing traveling around the UK and indeed Europe sometimes, some fancy destinations to wave my hands around and talk about cloud. But ultimately, in terms of like my passion was for, for changing business owners' lives. And I could do that really direct the way I wanted to do it, accounts and legal. And at UHY, that was naturally more restricted because it is a bigger firm, it is a bit more corporate. There are a bit more rules and regulations on the thing. You know, I wouldn't have gotten away with half of my social media and TikTok posts in my old posts. And again, that's nothing against them. It's just their, the corporate world that they live in kind of thing and their, their client base. So, so that was a big, big reason for it, really. And yeah, just everything seems to come together at the right time to go for it. Good. Sounds, sounds interesting. And you touched on social media posts, which we'll come back to in a minute, but what was it about the existing sort of app stack and what, what was it that you had to do to sort of maybe refine that or help them to make better use of that? I think one, making money out of it, you know, honestly, being brutally honest, like too much has probably given away or certainly around like cash flow and, and kind of growing a business. There, there was a lot of time and effort being put into implementing apps or trying to work them. But like, what was the end goal for us, if you like, and where it was growing? So they, I think I could add quite a bit of value there, as well as identifying opportunities across the, the portfolio. And just because I've got to sample loads at UHRI and do all sorts, like the big thing with any new app implementation is obviously the training time. And I always say the first three months, it gets worse before it gets better. It's a big write-off. I could come in and, you know, whether it was futurely, fluidly, clarity, hit the ground running with those guys and, and speed up in terms of training for them. But they had someone there that knew it pretty well. They didn't have to play around with it, guess with it, kind of fake it before they make it in front of clients, which, you know, sometimes happens. Not going to lie. <laughs> um, so I could I could add that and just speed that that journey up, really. And probably I, I was good at identifying which clients were a good fit from their existing kind of portfolio. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So... Onto social media then. So, I mean, lots of other accountants and probably quite a few businesses will, will know you from your LinkedIn post and then more recently from, from TikTok. So we're seeing a prevalence now, aren't we, of, of accountants kind of embracing social media and stuff. And so what was the kind of the key driving force for you to, to do this? I don't, I, I mean, I'd, I'd, in all honesty, the first thing that kicked it off was probably about two years ago, two and a half, in terms of general social media, was the legend that is Laura Taylor, Empowered by Cloud, like, I would find myself, I'd read those every day going, oh my God, the value in these, the stories, they're amazing. And obviously she'd done a few like Zoom training sessions for accountants and other people on like how I do it, how I've grown it. And it was, there's a lot of people who speak a lot of bullying on the social media about, oh, I've grown this and I've got that number, whereas hers felt really authentic. And they were, I trusted around the numbers and the growth. So in terms of starting social media, it was purely to like, you know win clients <laughs> that was that was the bottom line I didn't care about anything else I cared about like trying to win work um and that's probably what started the actual social media posting to begin with early doors and then it kind of evolved into god I'm loving LinkedIn especially like I'm learning loads myself I'm learning lots of new people and kind of get different opinions and then it probably got certainly when I got to accounts and legal I just got more polarized in my view of the way that accounting should work and, you know, I, the dinosaur accountant, I can't stand like I'm that once a year, like really great. And it, it just kind of grew. And I, I posted a couple of times. It's interesting, like, you know, some of you guys have said, oh, you post about dinosaurs. 
if you look at how many posts a week that mention that, it's not it's not that many, but they're the ones that like tend to stick in the memory for people and get people in touch. So as it was working, it was like, well, I'm getting more and more work from from I've hit something there that's hitting a lot of people that people can understand, like a non-accountant, like what that is. Um, and then it just got dafter and dafter, really, I guess, in terms of the the world of TikToks. But the TikTok started because my nine-year-old niece has a TikTok, as they all as all these kids do these days. And she posted it on, on her Facebook. And she's a crap dancer. Like, her dancing was rubbish. The routine was like, she ain't getting on the X Factor, right? But the effects on it and, like, the words that were coming in were really good. And I thought, if a nine-year-old can edit, like, that 15-second video that good, I should be all over that. Like, I could make a video in seconds because it was taking me hours on the, on the MacBook to do, like, the original, like, Chaser ones, Matrix ones that I'd done. They were great, but they were four hours to do two minutes. Whereas obviously the TikToks literally are five minutes, ten minutes tops, and I can I can get the same kind of effect and, and content. So yeah, that's that's what started all that. My nine year old niece is uh, to blame for that. <laughs> nice, and I mean, again, you kind of touched on a point there about being quite polarized or polarizing. So I mean, you know, does does that kind of bother you? I mean, you know, clearly there are some people within the industry who think. Oh, fucking Alex Stewart like gobbing off again and you know is that is that reasonable you know what, what are your thoughts on that yeah I, I mean I don't, I, I'd be in a crazy way I love it like I, there's no money in being vanilla so to speak like no one's favorite ice cream is vanilla is it like I don't I want to polarize opinion I, I want to be the person that the people that love and the people that love to hate like I want to I want to absolutely split opinion I don't want someone who goes Stewart yeah, he's all right I don't want anyone <laughs> to think that. I want them to think I'm fantastic or I'm an idiot that's okay so there is, I am quite eccentric generally in day to day. And you can really tell I talk quite fast. I get quite passionate. That is real. But admittedly, obviously, the social media, you, you are pushing those boundaries on some of those videos into that area of really trying to say, I am creating this, this brand almost of like, this is where I'm pitching it and to get, to get that attention. So I hope I offend as many, you know, dinosaur accountants touching nerve with those. Good. You know, I've had a few, well, a fair few message me or comment and, it, it's not nice social like from a mental health point of view sometimes i have took weeks off sometimes when it's like i don't want to wake up in the morning and have 10 hate messages <laughs> so it's not ideal sometimes but admittedly it, I, I, if i if i give it out almost like you know i expect to take some if you like so while i you know i mean i know i target sage broadly in terms of their software and their ethos but in terms of individuals kind of thing, I, I, I wouldn't like attack another accountant and their kind of name and shame in that respect. And I, I always find if it touches a nerve with someone, then they probably are that kind of approach to things. And, it, what, you know, where should it bother them? If you see your clients and your clients are really happy, then then why should little old me bother you? But, but yeah, it's a, it is an interesting one. It's a, yeah. Obviously, a lot of the videos that you, you're posting have sort of got, you know, you're in them and, and it's sort of part of the part of the sort of the fun of doing it. But, you know, are there any sort of hang-ups on doing that? I mean, you know, clearly for a lot of accountants, they'd be quite uncomfortable about videoing themselves and, you know, almost videoing what they do because it feels a bit sort of, you know, the opposite of what, what we're kind of used to. You know, it's very secure, isn't it, what we do? Definitely. There's still something. This It's still a little bit out of my comfort zone for some of the postings on there or some of the some of the videos that, that I do. I definitely, like, I need to be in the right frame of mind. And I need to be in that zone to, I'll generally create like five to 10 of them in one go. So you'll often see 
why Stuart wears the same hoodie for 10 TikToks in a row is because obviously he just filmed them all in. I, I haven't got just one set of clothes, although I do like to wear my cloud gear. I think when you look back to my, the first few I did went back when, when Dex was receipt bank, we had this piece of paper. Like, we love receipt bank flipping this paper and it was so wooden and so bad, like kind of thing. It was terrible. I look back now and cringe most at some of them first like description videos, but you do get more used to the camera pointing at you and you do, you start to do more in one take or just more naturally kind of thing. It is a skill that develops and definitely I would say over the last two years, the the confidence in front of camera and the first take and, and you know what, just go with it, just play with the script and, and see what happens on some that I do do the actual talking on is, has kind of definitely got, got better over, over time for sure. But yeah, I'd say any, there are many accountants that would probably say they get front of the camera straight away and we're in, they were instantly instantly okay. I think it is a skill you've got to learn like any other. It's like getting up and presenting to someone, things like yeah. that, isn't it? All of those things people find quite quite tough. So yeah, it makes sense. And just kind of going back to that point about polarizing the audience and things, when you're getting kind of like messages from people who are sort of feeling offended, what's your reaction to that? Potentially has an impact on, on, on your mental health. But do you respond to them? Do you ignore them? And what's your approach? I'll block the odd one, that kind of thing. If it's if I think it's particularly uh tasty kind of what they're saying if you like other times i think do you know what like if it's annoying you that much and you've messaged me or commented on one of my posts you're going to see more of it now by making that comment so you know let it annoy you kind of thing so i try and do that when i when i can but i'll, I'll very 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 rarely reply or get into like a, a discussion because i just think you end up mudslinging and neither of you you just both look like idiots then in terms of like kind of where it's where it's going and it's not productive of use of my time i've got that bigger fish to fry generally if that's but yeah there are times certainly if, if i had a glass of wine on a friday night tell you what yeah keep me away from the linkedin messaging sometimes because i might be a bit more tempted then <laughs> excellent i heard you on another pod fairly recently and you know you were talking about the lead generation that you're getting from linkedin and tiktok etc so um, you know just in sort of fairly simple terms i mean what what does that look like for, for you yeah, so like I think I said last numbers wise, yeah, you know, we monitor it like with, with HubSpot and CRMs and it's yeah, 179k in 12 months in terms of work one from LinkedIn and TikTok from the from that's purely like well, dare I say brand Stuart, but that is like that's not the there are other leads that come from the website and legals, but purely like me on that LinkedIn messaging and and TikToks. There's there's that. And also on the recruitment from, you know, we had someone message me from TikTok that moved up from Stoke to come and work with us which I thought was pretty, pretty cool that really, that it was nice. Obviously we have to make sure our technical skills were up to speed, but it, on an ethos basis, the, the hardest bit of staffing is the culture and the vibe. And we want that same direction. And if someone is loving my TikToks and my messaging and they're approaching me to work with me, that ticks a massive box straight away that in terms of that fit, I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to be great and have the right purpose. So it's not just been, yeah, the finances from sales wise, but also, you know, what it, what it brings in terms of, staffing and then even like other app stacks that want to get involved and other people for for that as well so so yeah it's only, only been good really for the most part yeah and it's a battle isn't it you know it's a battle for you know fees and for for staff and we were talking about that before i know that you know the other accountants or the firms that are doing doing stuff really well on, on social media you know generally you know relatively opinion-based or, or something that's insightful are getting more traction than, than the more traditional firms aren't they yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I've mentioned before uh, on on previous talks, like, although it might look like I'm just smashing out random TikTok to left, right and centre, there is a bit of a strategy to it in terms of, uh, like, social, humour, technical. You know, I still, you know, yesterday I posted about I walk a pay 
there's like there is a technical there's a bit of value there is an app in there so that you know i got two messages from people from that that said can you tell me more about i want to pay this sounds really cool i'm a business owner da, 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 da. so it's kind of like the humor bit gets people to know who i am and the type of person but then the technical generally the things that people message me about then and that's and that's the it's nice then they're coming to you about those things so so there is i wouldn't say it's cast iron strategy but there is a not randomly getting my ring light out and dancing in front of it and and so you know given sort of like the you know the demographic of of where you're doing stuff particularly on tiktok i mean i'm assuming that most of those leads that you're getting are sort of young sort of techie type businesses anyway we're not you're not getting people in their 60s coming to you for a tax return uh yeah generally i say yeah i'd probably say it's yeah maybe i'd say maybe i mean i'm 39 i'm on 40 in a few months so i'd probably put i'd say 40 and under is my like the general like in terms of most leads but there's a few mix it's more certainly on linkedin it, there, it, you'd be amazed how many people come to me that go i am on zero like but i'm not feeling you're saying how fantastic this thing is i'm not seeing real-time data and especially around the apps like i've got zero and i might have dext and that's mm. it like Calvin's never said about payment methods chasing debts cash flow like i want to it's it looks really cool and i want to get in on the app stack so it's not always necessarily an age thing, but certainly a mindset maybe of like that, that wanting to do more and not wanting to settle. The people I struggle with are people that say, you know, I did it this way today and I'll do it that way tomorrow because that's the way I've always done it. If that's the mindset, then do one. <laughs> like, that, that, I, I can't be bothered. Like, I'm not here to pull teeth. Like, I'll give you my advice. If you don't want to make the most of the technology, like if you want to key in your invoices, then nah, it's not it's not going to work. So that's the, that's the biggest thing is just that, that, that yeah. mindset. Do you think that's a symptom, though, of what's happened over the last sort of 10 years or so with cloud is that kind of everyone's jumped on the bandwagon, but, you know, you kind of start and stop with a move to, to zero or QuickBooks or whatever it might be and nothing else? I think, I mean, it's really controversial. I think most, most like, zero accountants are crap. <laughs> like, they, they don't have a clue. I reckon at least 70% of cloud accountants we just fake Well, they're not faking it. They might not realise some of them, but they just move them over to like, oh, we can be efficient internally on zero or, or QuickBooks or whatever, or Sage even. Uh, we can be efficient on this cloud software, but then they don't change the, any of the process or model around it. And then it's like, what's the point? Like, so if you can't build in regular catch-ups, if you're still doing year-end adjustment journals, like on, in lump that are mild different, like six months after the year end, what's the point? Like that to me is not true cloud. And yeah, we still, I've still got loads of clients that are just on zero index, but there's a, a roadmap and there is a, a plan to tech them up and also introduce them to other business owners like the amount of like health insurance trademark protection all sorts of god carpets for people personally that like we introduce from other clients and other contacts and i think accountants could be so much better at that about like connecting clients and adding value in terms of you know where their clients are spending and, and their own suppliers and they don't so uh, that's that's quite a big thing from the cloud as well that you can kind of pick up on those things really live yeah. and, and quick you mentioned the big green monster quite a few of the, the sort of the messages you post are, are around your know, sage and and i think it's fair to say that certainly in the early days of cloud there that, that was that was an easy sort of pot shot to take wasn't it but you know, do you think it's still justified to be taking shots at, at sage they do have a you know a cloud product now which isn't absolutely appalling they are making waves particularly at sort of like the enterprise level which is quite interesting isn't it it is and we don't talk about go proposal either um <laughs> we might come to that we'll see um 
my thing to say, yeah, so I'll, I will admit this, the Sage Cloud product, it's okay. Now, like, I, I think it's still some distance behind Zero and QBO, both in terms of core features and the app stack around it is very, like, Sage-centric to their own as opposed to, like, the ecosystem. My big gripe with Sage is the, the issue that if someone is on a desktop piece of software, and I've had this multiple times in the last 12 months, but this isn't from years ago, someone phones up on a desktop software going, I'm on Sage 50, I need another user. All right, it's another 100 quid a month, thanks. Not, oh, hang on a minute, is that right for you? Because we've got this amazing piece of cloud software and you'd be better using that and you can have real time. They're happy to keep that cash cow like pumping. And for me, that kind of like grates against my core values of you are not trying to really improve the lives of those business owners. You are improving the lives of the ones that shout loud enough and recognize that there's something else on the market. And I guess that's the slightly controversial maybe opinion of that, but like that's what I that's the bit that why I probably do so many posts about it, not necessarily the core product, but the the issue around that legacy stuff that so many people still use. Yeah, okay. Now that makes sense. And you, and you mentioned you know iWalker Pay before and a couple of other apps and stuff. And I, I think for anyone that follows your your posts, it's quite clear that you you've certainly got a you know an app stack of, I don't know, let's say eight apps or something that you you fairly regularly sort of post about and comment about you know, in the grand scheme of things there are you know what are well over 1200 apps now in the in the zero app ecosystem so what's your criteria for identifying the apps that you do like to talk about and are there others in there that you that you maybe don't mention as regularly because it's not a one-size-fits-all is it even if you're on zero dext etc there are areas of specialism there are systems and processes which are better suited for, for other businesses depending on what they do yeah, yeah, definitely. It depended on what they do and where they're at in their life cycle as a business, probably in terms of like size and growth rates and where they want to go. Two like big things, really. obviously, there's a baseline functionality of the app and what it can do and how easy that is to pick up what the user experience is like, both for us as accountants in terms of if we've got to get our, our hands dirty and user experience for the client in terms of whether that's the reporting that they're getting or their effort they have to put in. But a big factor also is the level of support we get from that app provider in terms of that initial input and client identification, support with training. And we realise that it, they must be lost leaders early doors from clients with us into air suppliers. The effort they have to put in to get us to get three clients on their software is heavy, but we can promise them that on a, on a six, 700 uh, client base, like we will go at it hard if we believe in those, in those products. And that's, you know, iWalker Pay is a classic one. Fluidly is another one on the cash flow one where the support from those guys and teams, like I can't fault them. It's it's intense, it's it's fantastic training. And they're also a bit, I quite like them to be not pushing, trying to sell me stuff, but pushy in terms of setting targets. And if I've said I'll get you 10 on, I'll, I'll speak to 10 clients and identify them. If I haven't in a month, then like, why not? Because I was I wanted to help those clients and like I'm not doing my job very effectively if if they're if they're, there's this amazing piece of tech that's not going anywhere. So again, some of the app providers are too soft with me and let me get away with going, oh, I'll do it next month. All right, sound. No, like, that's not good enough. Like, for, So it's got to be a, a proper kind of like relationship really of like the, the way they work for me, for them, for me to really get invested and involved. Like I want that relationship manager at their end that I can have frank conversations with. And even about, well, I've got a client I'm struggling with, you know, Clarity is another one they were amazing on. The client is objecting. I know this is a winner for this client, but they are saying it is too expensive or I'll come back to it in three months. Like, 
you must have other, you know, clients, you must have other accountants that hit these. What advice would you give me? And they, they just got great advice and workshopping with other accounts. And that is, you know, you can't put a price on that kind of thing. So yeah, that's that's a big factor when it comes to, to app rollout as well. And I mean, it's been quite well publicised now over the last few months that, that Sage have been effectively sort of commercially sponsoring a number of accountants to promote, uh, you know, what, what they've been doing. Does that work for you in the same way for, for the likes of iWalker and others? I mean, you could do. I mean, I'm not against it in terms of like that sponsorship and that if you, if that person believes in it and that there is true value in it in terms of where that's at, I'm certainly not against it. I'm not sure about like like being completely exclusive on something if it's not always the best solution potentially in terms of the way that's that's sold to be perfectly honest and how that works um so yeah that's that's kind of that one yeah i'm not i'm not hard against it but i believe that you've got you've got to i can honestly say that anything i've posted out there like i've used pretty extensively and believe in it and, and i've always had a good few success stories like i like to think there's a bit of traction before i start spouting off that that these things are good but yeah similarly like that can it can it can kill a good at that though that level of like that that support I guess around it and that 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 pushing us around just selling the product selling it to you buy hundred licenses right see you later kind of thing that 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 kind of thing is can kill it overnight like so yeah and you mentioned that you you know had quite a lot of success with fluidly for example I mean for me I would say that's one of the apps that really struggles for penetration with other accountants and stuff. So how have you made that successful where others, you know, including myself, have kind of failed? Yeah, I think um, a key one with Fluidly, like, it's, I mean, it's interesting on cash flow generally that, you know, you, you see loads of business surveys, business owner surveys, and they're like, oh, I would want help. 80% of business owners want help with cash flow. And then you survey accountants and they're like, only 20% of my, you know, uh, clients. And it's like, oh, something's wrong there. And I think some of it is the focus is around is still around accounts and around profit and around a balance sheet and, and traditional accounting. But for a business owner, like it, there isn't enough about the, the personal tax element that is involved in enough sometimes is baked into the accounts process of like, what do you want to live on? What's your plan? What's your five-year goal? How much do you want to earn? It's too easy for accountants to do the standard 50 grand a year, divvies, salary, up to basic rate right same again next year well is that always the best can we get more from it and you know when do you want to take the cash out you might declare these dividends but can you get at it can you actually get at it do you want an extra holiday and i pitch it much more much more around the person when it comes to cash flow than around the company uh, on, on on getting that out so for me fluidly works really well really well when a client is invested on the the tax planning side of things and sees the big picture of company and themselves and and that's the bit where you're like, wow, well, yeah, this is it's really cool. So we have a few models like we sell we sell fluidly like on its own for like one shot, a few hundred quid for a. I'll sit down with you for an hour, or I'll see you every month on cash flow. Or we've got a number of clients that pay between say seven fifty and a grand and a half a month. Some of these turn over two hundred k a year, so they're not like this belief that oh they're not they're turning over millions. They're turning over two hundred k a year, and paying us seven hundred fifty and a thousand pounds a month for proper planning and proper growth planning and cash flow planning and then i'll easily can chuck in that fluidly kind of modeling into that into that price bracket because it because it works so yeah that'd be my my pitch on that one <laughs> obviously you have apps that do approach you and you are very popular and you're always going to get the request but at the same time one of the biggest bits of feedback that we've had from just even as an app 
is that the accountants shouldn't then just be forced to sell because it's to the detriment of the end SME. So I think it'd be really good if you could just shine a light on what that boundary is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, in terms of, I guess, the difference between an app providing support and targets to push a sale versus coming at you and trying to sell 100 licenses, um, I think there is a definitive line for me. I can tell the difference if you like. So for me, the app provider's got to provide more value from the start in terms of training and how the app works. So if someone turns up and just tries to sell me like account managers that know nothing about the way the app works and, and businesses it will help, and they don't want to get, they don't want to help me look at my client list, talk through clients. It's more, let's sell an empty 100 licenses or an empty 10 and you go off and do it and I'm going to push you to sell more. That's that's too far if there's, if there's no interaction on my, let's look at my actual client base, let's make a plan and you guys are going to support me with training. So on the first, say, three or five clients, do you know what? Me and you, we're going to do it together. Like I'm going to get you on my call with my client and you are going to, you are going to show me how to use this app like live, if you like, or or key points, or give me guidance. That, for me, is much more of a supplier relationship of helping me. And, and I guess the, the key bit is that the app provider has got to provide that support and trust on that small scale first, on those five or ten, so that I believe that the app works and they are vested in, in making it work for, for both of us. And then we can set targets, but again, it's still not a, right, here's 50 empty licenses, go and fill them in a month. It's let's properly sit down and work out the portfolio and who we can ask and who we can work on. And I'm just going to act in the background, not to say buy some more, but how's it going? You know, we said we'd do three by this week. What has been your successes? Have you found anything difficult? So like the clarity one was a good one where I was like, I've tried, but I've hit this wall. Right. Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Do you know what? I'll get you in touch with another accountant. He had the same problem, but, but he's got around it by doing this. For me, that is, that is great, like because accountants are crap at selling. Like, and if they want to make money, they've got to sell. Like, it's like it's a dirty word, like selling. It's it's not. So, if an app provider can give me the skills to sell, great. If they just want to turn up and say, "Is this amazing? App hundred licenses, buy them now, off you go," and then we'll we'll start. That that's the bit that that irks. If they don't want to get to go know me and spend the first three months like putting putting effort in. That that's, a, that's a that's a very different relationship that most accounts won't have experienced from app partners though isn't it i mean like you say most i think most app sorry most accountants will have felt that quite a lot of the apps have just come in and said yeah we can sell you 10 licenses or how many clients have you got on zero and we'll sell you 400 licenses yeah i think so um, how how do you shape that relationship then to some extent i'd say that but then how many accountants fob App providers off with oh yeah we'll 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 sign up for five we'll sign up for the small ones but then we ain't going to touch them for a month and then you know I think it's a bit unfair on app providers sometimes then when they fall back and go oh, you get on within five oh we've not touched it well like that for me is when an app provider can take the opportunity and go all right but you're not touched them five so something's not working let's sit down let's go back to the drawing board let's book let's book some timing might be in a week might be in a month might be in three months but let's book half a day and for me I think sometimes accountants in their very nature for the most part are numbers people detail people they're not i mean they're not that social as a rule though it's certainly the ones i've worked with over the last 16 years i don't think i've been too controversial and and no one became an accountant to sell but the reality is like selling and seeing opportunities a really important part if they want to grow that business and i just find how how can you advise 
another business and growing their businesses if you're not comfortable like selling your services and seeing opportunities to them as a male and what what, what about the future of zero for you because obviously you know we've we've now seen the new md coming in the uk there's been lots of hiccups i think it's fair to say over the last sort of 12 months or so problems with downtime problems with some of the apps and stuff not working and, and some of the you know bits and pieces like zero tax not not really being particularly well received so what are your thoughts on that because clearly you're Probably zero is what number one fan. So let's have some let's have some thoughts, some criticisms, and some ideas. <laughs> They'll be taking that award away from me. Um, no, I mean, look, I think the core product is fantastic, and the, the the way the app stack works is amazing. I think there's still some development on the you know on things like you know we don't use HubDoc, we use Dext in terms of the purchase invoices. We don't use the, you know the business analytics and some of the cash flow stuff. Obviously, there's, there's fluidly. So I think there's there's I think they've probably got to decide on some of those boltons like how deep they go with that or if that is going to be forever like a you know soft touch point for really small users very basic users that's a nice little extra but won't really count when it comes to like you know proper businesses inverted commas that are employing a fair few people and, and doing more complicated things in one invoice a month kind of thing that's not as predictable so i think yeah that's a that's an interesting one and it'll be interesting like obviously with the, the purchase of the inventory on where that goes in terms of if that becomes core product and how many of these things get sucked into core product versus uh, staying outside as, a, as an option i think you probably see more they'll i don't think it'll be the end of the acquisitions in terms of where it goes i think there'll, there'll still be a fair few more over the next few years but it'll be interesting to see what becomes core product and what and what stays out of it I probably like yeah. out of it really, to be honest, and not and not try and make this thing that's only average at stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like stick to what you're good at and let the app like have these apps for different options. Don't force that. I'd hate to think of HubDoc being forced down people's throats when there are other other solutions. Yeah. Now we we've we talked about that on the pod before when you get like ERP products which are average at everything, but aren't good at anything, and that's that's a big problem. But is there a risk though of Zero becoming more and more like Sage, though they're obviously becoming much bigger, much more corporate. The smaller accountants, in particular, are complaining about the fact that they don't have access to account managers and stuff. And you know, that will be something that you will experience at UHY, where once you're in the sort of top fifty, top one hundred, you get dedicated account managers who stay for the long term. You're, have, have you seen that having moved to council legal? Oh, that's the same account manager at council legal, to be honest. But I have heard, yeah, you, you know, in the in the groups and the messages, of, I've had a different account manager two, three, four times in 12, 18 months and that kind of thing. And I do think, yeah, that gets harder on where to put resource. I think, yeah, the way they look at support, they could probably look at in terms of, you know, yeah, is it dedicated account manager? Is that the first place to go? Is it, you know, I know they've got the Zero Central and things like web chats and that kind of stuff in terms of development on on getting that message across really on where the best place to go is sometimes for support. But I think what's really difficult for Zero is the fact that, you know, I sat at a round table with like 12 leading accountants for Gary Turner's little farewell meal. And even those 12, like, you know, generally forward thinking people there was a there was a real split on the role of the account manager like i'm all for i want them contacting me on a regular basis i want them setting targets helping me with my strategy growing the brand all that kind of stuff i want them to be involved whereas half that table of thought leading accountants were like i only want i can't be asked my account manager phoning me every quarter i just want to know when i can pick up the phone i can get in touch with them i don't want him pestering me i put them i put him off three times he wants to keep coming and meeting me for what and i think 
that's really hard then if you, you know that's only 12 people in that room and there's a real split on what what the best way is so a, across the uk that's even more of a problem and i think i don't i don't know what the answer is to that but yeah i think there's there's work to be done there on the way account management works definitely, definitely. yeah and I, I think that that maybe goes to the value that those some account managers can can create for people like yourself compared to maybe other people's experiences where I suppose the account manager is effectively just a salesperson, which yeah. kind of goes back to my point about you know, R zero potentially becoming just another another sage or another entry and just interested in selling licenses. Yeah, and I mean that's the worst thing with you know we've had some account managers across some of the apps. Yeah, that say you expect them to know a little bit about the app <laughs> they're selling. You know, I've had I've had a fair few account managers like you say yeah that across some apps that just want to sell stuff, and you kind of like it's all very well you'll come and meet me when you know. You, you're trying to sign up another three pound of license or whatever, but when I need help or support around things, you you're not there. So yeah, I think yeah, you spot on with that. I think there probably are, there are some account managers that is yeah, you're only going to get called up when can I sell you 100 more bureau licenses, and that's really dangerous for that. That tips into yeah the world of you know as I see it that that sage mentality of just flog it, flog it, flog it, and I'm not interested in the end user's results. So yeah, there's. It, it only gets harder as you get bigger, obviously. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I'd agree on that point. There's certainly some planning to be done. And um, so moving on, what's the future hold? You must get contacted by lots of apps all the time. So there must be quite a lot of pressure on you to, to be picking up new things to put in your future TikToks and, yeah. and LinkedIn posts and stuff. But you know, what does the future hold for you on, on the tech side? But then equally, what about Council Legal? Where are you going next with that? Yeah, yeah, it's really difficult. You're right. I get battered with loads of people wanting to speak to me. And when I first started, I definitely had like magpie, shiny object syndrome. We were trying to try 400 different apps in a week. We've got better at refining that now. We run like 90 day rocks and we stack them up for, for like six months worth of planning. So we already kind of know in terms of rollout for from now till summer where, we, where we're going. So I want to text that one of them is, well, module is one we're going to get more use out of when the zero connection goes live uh the stage the, app, yeah no i didn't do the last month i think it was and they're like they sat there talking about that and they could i could just stare at daggers them. <laughs> um but again that's something we're looking at on though we, we've we've had a we've played with a few different payment uh options out there and sometimes functionality or cost in the way they they, they pay a batch of the same suppliers isn't quite as nice as it should be in terms of the charges where the module angle looks quite nice on that front on, on how that's going to work so we've, and they've, again they've been a great team to work with and, and support so that's something in the short term in terms of other bits and pieces this i love the stuff that bob harper does around goal driver and the agenda the meeting stuff in terms of the added value stuff i i use quite we use goal driver internally loads like every week so that's you know for planning actions really and i think i can make more of that for clients in terms of actually setting goals and deadlines and metrics so so goal driver is definitely one and and yeah whether agenda is the answer but making more efficiency out of meetings because we are finding definitely we were moved off zoom now where the team generally as our, our, our general platform just mm-hmm. for storing notes and data and stuff like you can have a great meeting but it's like you forget it the month after so i think there's a lot more that can be done there in making those efficient obviously you're connecting as well the meeting app there as well which again we played with a little bit but we probably want to revisit that at some point this year as well to get to get more from that because even though kind of well, hopefully COVID's kind of subsided and we are definitely seeing, I've seen more people in the last week face-to-face than I have in the last like three months probably. But I think 
COVID has changed the game on meetings. There's definitely now a much more we're okay with with a online meeting, even if you even if you are five miles down the road. I'm okay doing it online. So I think we can get better around user experience for that. Probably the next thing. Nothing too ground shaking, that is it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Payment services and online meetings. It's sadly rock and roll, is it? But you know, sometimes you've got to get those kind of them nailed and to, before we look at anything particularly special. Sounds good. Thanks for taking the time to, to get on the pod and some really interesting insights there, Stuart. So yeah, thank you very much. And long may you continue with the, the crazy TikToks and the, the, the polarizing LinkedIn posts. Indeed. I keep trying, keep trying, push those, push those boundaries, stay on that edge. Amazing. So getting that sort of backlash, how do you think it compares to maybe your female? peers or colleagues that maybe you've spoken to have also been quite social and posted videos and also get similar unwarranted attention yeah yeah, yeah. so i think the, the comments i get as a male versus what most female account particularly accountants get and uh, is it, it's it's tenfold what 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 the women get compared to what what i get from what i've seen in terms of you know the the big the Jerry Williams, the Francescas of this world that are, that are quite well known. Even just seeing comments that get posted sometimes are so cringe and like just awful. But even our own staff members, you know, we've got Amy's a trainee in our place that's quite active on LinkedIn, and some of the messages that she gets ranging from you know nasty to just vulgar is just like really really tricky to deal with. So I think my kind of problems in terms of messages I get pale in comparison to to what females have to put with which is obviously um a real shame I think especially in the accounting industry I think yeah it's really bad that there is this uh, different mindset which is just shocking really not to diminish anyone's perspective I think the whole point is that these are keyboard warriors that probably yeah. wouldn't see if, you, if you're in the street would be on the other side of the road and and duck down and not look you in the eye so you know i don't envy it yeah yeah absolutely yeah you nail on the head there with yeah keyboard keyboard warriors for sure that's where uh i think, think they all are and all on the most part live anyway in terms of that kind of stuff so i always find it's interesting sometimes on a linkedin post you'll put how some people just read it completely differently i guess or take a, a random take on it that's like hang on a minute if you've even read that properly like that kind of thing because where you're coming from is nowhere near what i was talking about you know they take they just yeah take the high horse and, and go off on one sometimes as well it's a word for them lucky bastards no. cockroaches no. <laughs> <laughs> they would survive um, any nuclear war they're cockroaches the videos say on average get you know between two and five thousand views whereas the word ones could often get five to ten thousand kind of thing as an average in terms of people that have clicked your profile when I've done a video on those views, like there's way more views on the profile on a video day post than there is on the, so they read it and scroll on, whereas the video people are definitely like delving a little bit deeper, having a look at other stuff. So I always think that's yeah. an interesting start. I always get more followers from the videos, even though they've got limit less, much less reach as a rule. There's, there's a correlation that you can, I can see when I'm on it, like the, the messages and the pipeline and what's coming kind of thing versus like, I took a bit of time off at Christmas and, it's still taking time to get back to like the pre-Christmas levels because I took a like, I guess everyone took a bit of time off, but I had kind of like three weeks in December really where I didn't post very much at all or, or plan much. And you can see that the numbers just crash and then that takes a bit of time to get back back to where yeah. they were. It's kind of like riding a wave and if you, you have to keep on it, otherwise, yeah, it falls off. I mean, 
my takeaway from this is I need to track this stuff because I post it and I don't I don't do it as a you need to, you need to post something first round. <laughs> I do it once a month, John. <laughs> I, I post nothing. I just I just respond to other people. It's more just common. Yeah, but I think that's where it starts, isn't it? You're only giving Stuart a lot of grief. <laughs> and that brings another podcast to a close we hope that you have enjoyed listening to it uh, as much as we've enjoyed making the pod if you have enjoyed listening please do um subscribe firstly and um, so that all the pods hit your hit your mobile secondly leave us a review we love those we'll read them out on the next podcast and then please share them with everyone you know that you think would also benefit from the pod once again, Stuart, thank you uh, for coming on. And we, I think it's been brilliantly insightful. If people want to get in contact with you, I assume it'll be on social media based on everything you said, but what's the best channel to, to kind of find you on? Yeah, generally LinkedIn is my kind of favourite place. If you want a quick response, message on LinkedIn. And I assume you probably get quite a lot of messages. So is there anything that they should put in their message so that they'll definitely get a response? Is yeah. it a video? from listening of a video? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Message, they'll always get opened yeah and if anyone wants to reach out to any of us john myself or indy please once again send us a message on linkedin if you've got any ideas or questions or even comments about what we do on the podcast we'd love to hear from you so yeah please tune in for the next episode thanks again and be kind be, be kind. kind you mess with stuart you mess with a lot of us <laughs> yeah with one big army. <laughs> we actually didn't swear that much today, Stuart. You must have had a very positive Calm impact influence. because actually, no swearing. Well, well, yeah, yeah. Nothing's going to rival the Alistair Barlow one.